0: thewellnesscouch.com streaming wellness into your lives you're listening to the healthy shift worker with your host Audra Starkey
1: and welcome to the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. My name is Audra Starkey and I'm here to help you to manage some of the toughest challenges we face whilst working 24/7. In today's podcast, we're gonna be talking about sleep disruption, but not from a shift working perspective because we all know how working irregular hours can certainly play havoc on both our sleep quality and quantity. But I've invited a guest on the show today who's going to talk to us about how our home environment may be possibly disrupting our sleep even further. Nicole Bilsma is a naturopath, acupuncturist and IICRC accredited mold remediation technician and building biologist who has been in clinical practice since 1989. She's the author of the best-selling book, Healthy Home, Healthy Family, and has featured on every major television network in Australia to discuss health hazards associated with our homes. She's also the founder and CEO of the Australian College of Environmental Studies, which is a registered training organisation that was established in 1999 to help educate people about the health hazards in the built environment. And if that's not keeping her busy enough, Nicole is currently studying her PhD in environmental chemical assessment at RMIT University. So to tell us more about sleep disruption in our homes, I'd love to give a warm Melbourneian health issue worker welcome to Nicole. Hello. How are you? Hi. Great. Great. You have been one incredibly busy lady over the years. Holy moly, what you've done. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I look I never look back. I only look at what I need to achieve, so I I yeah, I, I just don't look back. I'm a bit of a type A apparently and
1: uh <laughs> No I would never have guessed like that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well look I have to say, Nicole, I first I first heard about you back in, I think it was 2013, when you'd spoken at the Wellness Summit in Melbourne. Now, I didn't get to that one because I was the one in the Gold Coast, but your name kind of kept coming up. Um, then Jules Galloway interviewed you uh, recently on her podcast and then... I heard you uh, chat with Andrew Whitford-Cook on FX Medicine. And that's when I thought, right, that's three times your name's come up. I have to get you on the podcast. So thank you so much um, you know, for joining me today. But first up, I'd love to hear your story, Nicole. I mean, what sets you on the path to becoming so immersed into wanting to learn more about environmental health or more specifically our home environment and how that may be affecting our health?
0: It happened from two events. Firstly, seeing a very strong connection between many of my patients' illnesses in their homes and commenting about, gee, I'm sleeping near a meter panel. Do you think that's a problem? I can see visible mold. Do you think it's affecting my chronic fatigue? But it wasn't until my husband and I moved into our own home in Warrendite and developed insomnia uh, within days of moving in there and then had 10 miscarriages in that home that I started to look at the way in which our the built environment could affect human health
1: aha uh-huh. okay so yeah so it's definitely a, a very personal story that uh, you know that stemmed your where you are today
0: oh absolutely and then often it is with environmental illnesses you know you mm. find some of the best building biologists so i established the college australian college of environmental studies because i just spent the last 20 years researching this and many of my students uh, you know have had adverse health effects or their kids have got autism and and disorders or et cetera, that they haven't been able to treat and suddenly they're getting marked improvements by going on holiday or moving home and then their headaches have gone and their fatigue is, you know, better and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, that, this is quite common.
1: Mm, And and something that, you know, we often don't think about. But I guess I really wanted to bring you on the show, Nicole, because as shift workers, you know, we obviously face that uphill battle uh, with our sleep thanks to our haphazard rosters. uh, But it is what is, And, you know, that ongoing disruption to our circadian rhythm certainly plays, you know, a lot of um, huge role in how we feel. uh, And, you know, a lot of us, you know, experience that adrenal fatigue. But one of the things which I'm sure most of us don't really think about, and, you know, I can certainly put my hand up for this is how where we live, you know, that being our own homes may be affecting our health. And I know this is a huge question uh, because I know that you mentioned things on your website like electromagnetic fields and allergens and moulds and chemicals. But would you mind sharing with our listeners some of the things in our homes that may be affecting our our health and I guess more specifically our sleep?
0: Mm. The big one that comes to mind for sleep is electromagnetic fields so the first thing a practitioner or or person needs to look at is you know there's a lot of obvious causes of insomnia or sleep disturbances that can easily be ruled out through you know just identifying you know drinking coffee at night exercising too late it's stress etc when those obvious causes um excluded it then becomes more important to look at how the environment could trigger and that's often a signal that there's something potentially in the home. So questions like, has my insomnia got worse since I've moved into this room or moved into this home? Um, does it get better when I'm away from this space, when I'm, you know, on holiday or in somebody else's home, etc. They are often really key questions to ask because that often tells us that the environment in which they're in could be playing a role. But electromagnetic fields would be the most the first thing that I'd want to exclude for insomnia, because we know AC magnetic fields and radio frequencies in wireless technology affect melatonin. And melatonin is absolutely critical for your your body clock and your sleep-wake cycles. And in fact, if you're not sleeping well, of course, what that means is it has you know, huge ramifications because melatonin is the most important antioxidant neurotransmitter we have to get rid of all those free radicals and, we, you know, stop our cancer, reduce our cancer risk and, and has an important immune response. So once you don't get sleep, everything, all the other systems start falling apart. And it can often take, you know, months or years for that to happen depending on your genotype in and, and your particular unique situation. Um but that's the big one because we know electromagnetic fields affect melatonin. So, you know, sleeping within 20 centimeters from a digital clock radio that emits a high AC magnetic field, um, sleeping near a meter panel is a huge problem because it's general as anything that's used in the house is going to create current going through that meter panel so it's very important that meter panel smart meter is not anywhere at least a room away from where people spend time and especially where their beds are because it emits quite a high AC magnetic field, depending on the current going through. The other one is fridge, not having the fridge backing up against your bed head, because the fridge motor will go on and off all night. And of course, that means that the magnetic field is going to be increasing and collapsing throughout the night. And that, again, is an issue. Um, And any wireless device in the bedroom should be completely avoided. So not charging your mobile phones near your bed certainly not pre- keeping them under your pillow is really really important because they're constantly tuning into the nearest cell phone tower to cre- to get a signal so you know you're exposing yourself to radio frequencies that the world health organization classified on the 31st of may 2011 as possibly carcinogenic to humans now i mean we can go into a whole thing on electromagnetic fields but there are no exposure standards health-based exposure standards for exposure to wireless technologies and we do suspect they are carcinogenic and there is a lot of evidence now that using it on one side of the head for at least half an hour a day for five or more years is associated with an increased risk for two types of brain tumours which is coming out constantly in the literature so that will affect melatonin as well so it's not just what's happening in the bedroom it's keeping these devices near your head suppressing melatonin and increasing free radicals at a cellular level and inflammation on a systemic level that we're starting to see very um, larger uh, studies coming out to say that they're having adverse health effects. And another one of those, of course, is that when you increase your exposure to these radio frequencies through mobile phone and wireless technologies, you effectively increase the permeability of the blood-brain barrier to chemicals that are already in your body. So the symptoms of electromagnetic sensitivity are identical to chemical sensitivity and almost identical to mould sensitivity because you're providing a free gateway straight into the central nervous system when you use these technologies.
1: Mm. Wow. I mean, yeah, that's incredible all incredibly profound, uh, you know, research and, and that obviously, you know, we don't hear much about in, in the media, that's for sure. So, I, okay, I'll use my example here is that, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm quite good. I think you'll be proud of me. I do keep my mobile phone out of my room. <laughs> but I haven't been able to convince my husband of that. So he, as far as he's gone, is he um, puts his mobile phone onto flight mode. Is, is that helping at all?
0: Yes, absolutely. So when you put a wireless device or a device with wireless capability onto flight mode, you're preventing your connectivity to the internet and that stops the radio frequencies, which is the big issue mm-hmm. as, as exposure. Um, the only issue is if you keep it under a pillow and then the alarm goes on, then of course it's going to emit bursts of, AC, of uh, DC magnetic fields. Um, but that's minor compared to putting in flight mode. So any you know child or anyone using a device, once they've downloaded the apps, they should put it in flight mode. But certainly in the bedroom, the big ones are going to be not having any appliances within a metre and a half of your bed. Certainly the fridge, metre panel, um, elect- electric hot water services shouldn't be anywhere near your bed is certainly not on the other side of the wall of your bed head and the other one i haven't mentioned is mold people with about 24 percent of the population can't create antibodies to mold and every time they go into a water damaged building it sets up an inflammatory response that knocks out key neuropeptides in the brain involved in sleep so they often have chronic fatigue-like symptoms, fibromyalgia, aches and pains. Um, they forget for their poor short-term memory, um, all of those symptoms that happen insidiously over a long period of time, um, That and they have chronic sleep-related uh, problems.
1: Wow. So this is, Nicole, you're referring to mould in the bedroom only or would it be anywhere in the house? It would be anywhere in the house. A lot of um, See,
0: so you have fungi everywhere. I mean, you're going to have fungi spores everywhere in the house, and that's normal. Fungi are nature's greatest decomposers there. You'll find the spores from the Arctic to the Antarctica. They're there for a reason. Um, because you, every building material and furnishing is perfect food for mold, the key issue for mold-related problems only becomes apparent when there is moisture. So as soon as you have moisture sitting there for 24, uh, 48 hours or more, then those bacteria and the fungi are going to start out competing for one another for that space so if you have water damage for example in a bathroom um, and and it's in the wall cavity it could be um you know spreading across the entire house depending on the ventilation in that home and the extent of the water damage so you'll find you know we can have some homes we've gone into i've looked and i couldn't see any visible mold Mm. and some a problem with drainage but you couldn't see any mold in the house, and the air samples that came back were so toxic, the elderly couple literally had to walk out with just their clothes on their back. And it was a the whole house had to be um, completely demolished because it, it, the, a number of spores from the water, the drainage issue in the subfloor was so significant it affected and contaminated every book, every surface of that home, and you couldn't see or smell it. So that's the worst wow. case. But there was a history of water damage so that's the key you know oh yeah since the roof has leaked etc that's been an issue and a lot of the time people will see some visible mold but it's what's hidden in the wall cavities and the subfloor or the roof cavity that becomes an issue so a building biologists will look at things like um, drainage guttering um, do moisture mapping check that the ventilation the steam from the shower is actually going to the outside not into the roof because when you get moisture going into a roof cavity and then it hits the dew point and condenses then it, it could could dents in the bedroom not in the bathroom so you have these water damage issues happening because the house has been poorly built like they are nowadays. The new homes are like plastic bags. They're very tight. They don't leave room for condensation from activities like bathing or you know, having a lot of people in the home. So these are continuing to be an issue, which is why building biology continues to grow as an industry.
1: Mm. Wow. I think up here in Queensland too, you know, the whole – because we have so many storms and we're faced with humidity – uh, and so forth, and, and water damage. Gosh, the amount of um, storms we've been getting lately. There's a lot of homes um, that certainly have been, uh, you know, faced with that with that water damage. So is it fixable though? I mean, obviously that that um, couple you were talking about before, that house had to be demolished. But, I, I mean, is there, is there a way that, or what, I guess what can people do, just little things that, you know, they can do to help
0: Yes, well, there's a lot that can be done prevention-wise. That is to make sure that there's good uh, passive ventilation in the home. In Queensland, of course, the big issue is the microclimate. It's humid, it's warm. So once you hit 70% relative humidity, it's going to allow all those spores to germinate And proliferate and that's the problem so if it's far north Queensland you'll find because it's hot people keep the air conditioning on continuously and that's great because it's a dehumidifier so it pulls moisture out of the air and that's how it cools the air so as long as the air conditioning is on continuously then you don't generally find moulds going to be a problem in that home the problem areas we're finding is central coast Sydney, etc., because these are cooler temperate climates that are high that are humid. So you hit the 70% relative humidity on regular days. But the problem is because it's cool to put the air conditioning on, you know, it's not it's not hot enough to justify it. So they don't put it on, and that means they end up with these high moisture in the air, which enables all the spores in their home to start proliferating and growing. So they need full house dehumidifiers, and that would be an effective way to pull the moisture out of that environment in melbourne and perth and the dry areas like adelaide that's we don't have so much of the high humidity humidity we have more things like drainage issues and guttering issues and plumbing related problems and flooding accidents etc where you know the source of the moisture so the key is to dry it out within 48 hours and then generally it's not such a problem
1: Mm. wow okay so yeah so there are our, a our good little preventative um strategies what about things like being able to also so if someone was to walk in um nicole and now and then they look up and they can see that there's now you know mold sort of happening in their ceiling of their bathroom what um what would you sort of recommend they would do then
0: well I'd first check to see if they're getting
1: symptoms of mold-related
0: problems, and the first ones are respiratory tract infections, Mm. colds keep coming back. In kids, it can be middle-ear infections that keep coming. Um, Sinus, hay fever, asthma, they're the the main ones. Uh, But in the 24% of the population who don't, create antibodies they'll develop long-term fatigue relating illnesses so I'll check that first and then look at the history and then we'll do we'll use thermal cameras to check the level of moisture in the uh, materials and moisture meters, more importantly, and then often we'll do obviously a visual inspection and uh, in some cases we might do air or surface samples or dust samples uh, in the house to get an idea of the history of the fungal uh, exposure in the entire home over the history of that house.
1: Mm. Wow, there's yeah, it, it's it's a, a it's a funny thing, isn't it? I guess it's it's um you know, a bit like the the electromagnetic fields and uh, even the mold that we don't see, it's kind of a little bit out of sight, out of mind, isn't it? And I think most of us wouldn't put the two and two together that these could actually be you know interrupting our sleep or, or even adding to our fatigue.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely, and that's why it's ignored. Environmental medicine is largely ignored by all practitioners, natural therapists, GPs, chiropractors, osteopaths. They don't learn it um, It's un- because a lot of the time we don't do house visits and I think mm. what made me so much more aware of it is uh, getting into people's homes and realising over 90% of the time there was something in their house that was aggravating their existing condition or causing it. Now, there's not a lot of money getting to the cause of the patient's condition. So the focus of a lot of um, natural therapies and and general medicine is to treat symptoms, not get to the cause of the patient's condition. And I think this is where we've got it wrong.
1: Mm, Yeah, I I can certainly speak for myself. It's not something that, well, apart from sort of hearing about what the work that you've been doing um yeah, there, there's only little snippets kind of there coming out and, um, you know, we can very much sort of hone into one particular symptom and, yeah, sort of not take that kind of whole um, holistic approach. So, yeah, it's brilliant what you're doing. It's, yeah, absolutely, absolutely amazing. I, I did notice in one of your videos uh, that I was watching – Uh, Nicole, that you mentioned that the human body is an excellent electromagnetic field conductor. Now, that does not sound good. Would you mind explaining what that is?
0: Sure. Well, we're primarily made up of water and water conducts electricity. So we are finely tuned to the terrestrial radiation that has existed on the Earth for millennia and that includes the cosmic radiation from the galaxy that comes onto the Earth that includes the sun's, exp- of course, rays, X-ray, um, um, infrared, and um, um, just just blank at the moment. But the sun, of course, and of course, the Earth's magnetic field. We've evolved. I mean, we know many animals and birds and fish use the Earth's magnetic field as a homing device. Um, we know bees use it in terms of uh, you know determining where their nests go etc and termites so you know even humans we're starting to get a good understanding that we have evolved on this electromagnetic terrestrial radiation and the biggest one is the Schumann resonance which exists in the atmosphere as a result of all the lightning and thunder strikes that are occurring at any given moment on the earth creates a voltage in the atmosphere that is the same hertz and frequency as the alpha waves in the brain so we're starting to think you know there's not a lot of research on this but it's an interesting coincidence that 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 is is the same frequency 7.83 hertz as it as the um, alpha uh, waves in the brain what's happened is we've now flooded all of Um, that terrestrial radiation with man-made frequencies in the past, especially the past 10 to 15 years with the introduction of wireless technologies, which has flooded it because we have over 6 billion mobile phone users. Mm now on the planet and of course smart meters and the internet of things is about to be launched in the next five years which will explode whatever we've got now blanketing the planet is going to explode in the next five years because all our appliances will have zigbees in them that will enable them to communicate with our smart meter and then provide that data to the power companies um, in order to specifically target advertising you know privacy is going to be a huge issue exposures to radio frequencies which the world health organization stated was possibly carcinogenic mm-hmm. that's enormously in the home you know you'll be able to turn your air conditioning off from work in at home from your work um simply by you know a remote so these are huge issues i have because there's no research to indicate what impact it has on children's health um and yet we're starting to get a good idea that it can certainly increase the risk of brain tumours. Um, childhood leukemia has been well established since seventy nine with Wertheim and Leeper's research on um Uh, proximity to high voltage transmission lines and children living within 600 metres of them in the first 15 years of their life. I mean, there's quite a bit of evidence and I'll put that in my new version of my book to show people there is so much evidence on this and we now know how electromagnetic fields affect the body, including its impact on melatonin. And exposure standards aren't geared for health-based standards. So people need to understand that, the, you know, there's no one there protecting their back. Industry is running a mark and they can pretty much release what they want in the market, whether it's product, chemicals in, in personal care products or cleaning products or uh, technologies like wireless technologies that have never been tested for their impact on human health. And yet you map this to many of the chronic illnesses like insomnia, environmental sensitivities, like chronic fatigue syndrome, multiple chemical sensitivities, and it's all happening at the very similar times that they're increasing since the introduction of pesticides in farming, Um, explosion of chemicals in everyday products etc so really the book is getting people to give them the knowledge that's been there for 30 40 years but never been presented uh, in a way because as i said i've been doing this 20 years it takes a long time to collate this data and let's face it who busy mums and dads don't have time to do
1: this Mm, but they should be able to have time to read your book (laughs) so (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely be putting links to it um, Yeah, at the end of the podcast. So, yeah, I mean, it, oh, it's, it, it all sounds wonderful, doesn't it? We've got all these fancy gadgets that are, enable us to do these incredible things that 20 years ago we'd just be shaking our heads at thinking, you know, like what the – but now it's becoming part and parcel. You know, I've got a friend that uh, actually wears a um, – like it's an Apple phone, I think, um, that what she's got now um, – And I just sort of think, oh, it just doesn't – there's something about it. It doesn't feel right. And, you know, as I sit here at my desk, I'm also looking across at my modem that's quite close to my desk, and I'm thinking, this can't be good either. You know, should we even be perhaps, um, you know, turning that off at night, Nicole, to help us sleep, actually switch it off completely? And is there a gadget that will force us to do that? Because we know how incredibly addictive – You know the whole internet and mobile phones have become these days
0: yes that's a good point while the routers emit very high radio frequencies 24 hours a day as do cordless phones cordless phones worse than mobile phones for that reason So it's really important that you don't have routers or cordless phones anywhere near your bedroom or where you spend time. When you first get the router, they're designed to be able to beam across the entire house and into your garden, so that you don't complain to the manufacturer that you can't get connectivity. So the first, gosh, yeah. pick up other people's signals in your neighborhood, which is a huge problem. What's important is ideally to have hardwired ADSL or cable connections, not wireless connections, but they're becoming more difficult to find. If you do have a wireless modem, then you need to power it down by at least 95% reduction so you go into the computer you put in the manufacturers the number for that modem and it will explain to you how to power that modem down so it's not beaming across your entire house and neighborhood that it's only in those rooms that you want to get internet connectivity which is a good thing. Um, I also suggest you definitely switch it off when it's not in use because as long as that radio frequency is being powered out from your uh, router, it will potentially be affecting melatonin and sleep. Mm. The people who have sleep problems, who have routers within, you know, two rooms away from their sleep is Remarkable, and no one's studying this. You know, we see it at the ground level as building biologists walking into people's homes, but I haven't seen any good research on this, and yet it seems to be so incredibly common
1: yeah wow gosh that's yeah that's um that's incredible information and um, yeah I'll definitely be looking at um, yeah powering down and we'll, we'll put some information on in the show notes there as well for for our listeners because that's that's really a, yeah in, incredibly uh, incredibly important information so is there anything that you know though that will actually uh, enable is there like a timer or something that um, can actually force that you know turned off at like nine o'clock at night do you know is there such a thing
0: yeah, there's what we call a demand switch that can be put in by a licensed electrician into the uh, ah. meter panel, the okay. switch panel, and that will shut down power to that part, say, to the bedroom of the house so uh, or other parts of the house and just enable your essential services like your fridge to keep going. So, yes, there are things you can use, but, of course, that for things that are on standby, if you like your clock on your TV and your standby, etc., that's going to be an issue. But you know, at, at what point, at what price to your health? Mm-hmm. These things are so important. That's look, I would strongly argue, as I have in my book, that hardwired cable connections the best options. Yes, it means you're confined to only get internet connectivity on you know on your desk in a certain room, etc. But you know, and. It's going to take years, maybe generations, to really understand the implications that this technology has on human health. I truly believe we can use technology. I love technology. I love my mobile phone. <laughs> I'm very mindful that I never put it near my head, that I never charge it in my bedroom, that I always use an ear tubes when I'm you know, speaking on the phone um, in order to reduce my exposure um, by at least 95% when I'm using it, and especially with my kids.
1: Mm, yeah, that's that's all brilliant information. I, I think I heard recently that even might have been you would know this in Denmark or Finland or, or one of the countries in Europe where they're actually banned Wi-Fi in schools. Is that correct? Cyprus, they banned oh, it from Cyprus. Okay. Uh-
0: the French government has discussed it, the possibility of um, reducing exposure in primary school and limiting it to a few hours, as has Israel. Um, I haven't seen any evidence to see that they've enacted that yet, but there's certainly a discussion on that.
1: Mm, yeah, fantastic. It will be interesting to see, um, certainly, see what um, transpires in the in the years to head. So, well, look, this has been, um, you know, absolutely fascinating, Nicole. You're you're an absolute wealth wealth of knowledge uh, on this subject and i know we've only tapped into you know just a little bit of this but um where can find people find you to learn more about you know what you do and if they're wanting to get a building biologist to kind of come into their own home to you know have a bit of an overhaul or to see how their house is looking and and more information about your book Our healthy home healthy family and some of the other services that you offer
0: yeah. Healthy Home, Healthy Family, 3rd edition. It's sold out at the moment, but the 3rd edition is due in spring. So I'll let you know when that comes on board. You'll see it on my website which is buildingbiology.com.au. There are a lot of videos on there, a lot of media stuff that I've done and a lot of uh, content about the issues I've raised from allergens, chemicals, electromagnetic fields, et cetera, that you'll find on my website. The college, which is the Australian College of Environmental Studies that I'm the CEO of that runs training in environmental health, we, I have a list of building biologists on that so when you go to aces.edu.au and get to the links page you'll see find a building biologist but as you'll see on that page there are so few of us the industries because of the amount of lecturing I do at medical conferences educating doctors and practitioners to diagnose the demand is there but we just don't have enough people to do the work
1: Mm, okay, and this is just Australia only at the moment, too. Nicole, is that right? Because I've got and I've got listeners all around the world. So, yeah, I've had a handful of um, people come from
0: different countries: Slovenia, South Africa, and Japan, and Holland, who've come to study with me. But as you can see, that's very small. Yeah, uh, building biology in Europe and Germany specifically, so you should be able to hopefully um, get a building biologist there. The US, I know, has a building biology group there that you can um, catch on to but you know, their training isn't as extensive. The college that I run is a government accredited course that is the most comprehensive undergraduate course in building biology in the world that I'm aware of. So we cover quite a lot of detail because I traveled around the world to find where the best information was on everything from mold and chemicals and electromagnetic fields. So yeah, but definitely try and seek a building biologist out there or someone who, who can do some something similar like an a electrical engineer who might be able to do EMF testing in your country, for example, or A double ICRC mould accredited remediator in your country might exist to address mould. Yeah, but the book will give you a great idea because it's checklists in the book that will enable you to assess your own home at a preliminary stage to go, well, is my house affecting my health or not?
1: Mm. Well, I'll definitely be getting my um, a copy of your book when it comes out. Um, again, that's that's for sure. I mean, anything, and I think all of our listeners would love a copy given, you know, the impacts of what you've just said can influence our sleep, um, which, you know, is so, so important when we're already running um, at a sleep deficit, um, you know, thanks to our, our our crazy rosters that we do. But look, this again, thanks so much for joining me today, Nicole. I know you are a one ex- super, extremely busy lady, and I'm, I'm super grateful for your time and you know, for sharing some of your um, sleep-enhancing wisdom to our listeners. Any time, be any time. <laughs> well, that's it for another edition of the Healthy Shift Worker podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback, and there are many ways you can do this via my Facebook page, The Healthy Shift Worker, through my website, healthyshiftworker.com, or you can visit The Wellness Couch at thewellnesscouch.com and leave a comment there. If you enjoyed the show, please feel free to share it with other shift workers who you think may benefit. And if you're listening via your computer, you can also leave us a five-star rating on iTunes, as this will help me to spread the Healthy Shift Worker message to shift workers and organisations all around the world. And also just a reminder that I've recently opened up my appointment book to accept nutritional Skype consultations exclusively for shift workers. So if you'd like some personalised help from me, please check out the link on my website under services. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening. Until next time, may you continue to be as healthy as you possibly can be despite working 24-7.